Good morning once again, and good morning to those of you who come in late all the time. We love you too. Happy that you're here. Mark chapter 10, verse 41 says this. When the ten other disciples discovered what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that in this world kings are tyrants and officials lorded over the people beneath them. But among you, it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others. And to give my life as a ransom for many. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in this scripture, what's going on here is the disciples have been uh, with Jesus for three years now. They're on their way to Jerusalem, to the Last Supper, to the betrayal, to the death and resurrection. They don't know this. Jesus does. But he gives them teaching after teaching. And on the road to Jerusalem, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, ask him, hey, Jesus, when this is all over, can we sit at your right and left hands? In other words, can we have the best seat? Can we have the seats of power and the seats of authority next to you? And Jesus tells them, no, it's not my choice. It's not my decision who sits next to me. Plus, if you really want this, you've got to drink from the cup that I'm about to drink from and be baptized in the way that I'm about to be baptized and they're like, we can do it, because, you know, they're the sons of thunder. They're always all full force. But as things go, when you're dealing with teenagers, the other ten hear about the conversation that James and John had just had with Jesus, and they get a little perturbed. They've been with Jesus just as long as these two have. John's the youngest. You would think that maybe Peter would walk in going, if anybody's sitting next to Jesus, it's me. So they're getting all angry and upset about everything, and they're trying to fight and rally around who's going to be where when all of this is over. And Jesus goes, look, here's the deal. If you want authority, if you want power, if you want place and position, then you need to serve. If you want to be first, then be last. Over and over, this shouldn't have been anything new or weird for the disciples to hear, because time and time again, Jesus has been taking what they thought and turning it upside down. Time and time again, throughout this ministry that he's been doing, he's been saying, this is the Messiah that you are expecting, but here's who I am. You're expecting it to be this way, but this is the reality. And the truth, they were expecting a military leader, this guy that would come in and end the oppression of Rome and just wipe them out. And Jesus comes in and he loves them and he cares for them. He goes places that they would never have thought of going. He speaks to people and cares for people and loves people that they would have never thought to engage with. So honestly, the disciples should have seen this coming. They should have seen this mentality because this is how he lived his entire life. He was first. He is first. And yet he consistently backed away. He consistently put others first. 
Say the word schmoosh. 9.30 was better. Say schmoosh. Say schmooshing. Say smoosher. Say start smooshing, you smooshing smoosher. The word smoosh is a wonderful word. Stop now. The word smoosh is a wonderful word that I learned um, this uh, past spring while in Israel. And what it means is to take the burden from someone else to carry their burden so that they might be who God wants them to be. They might be released and freed to do whatever God is calling them to in a, in a way that just fulfills it. We were going through Hezekiah's tunnel. You know about my story there. I was scared to death. As we get towards the entrance of Hezekiah's tunnel, my heart starts beating really fast and I start almost hyperventilating. It's a tunnel that is six football fields in length. One of the football fields I had to walk hunched over like this. There's water in the tunnel. The water is cold. It is very dark in the tunnel. It's a tunnel that goes underneath the city of Jerusalem. And when I say very dark, I mean it's pitch black. At one point, Scott had us turn off all of our headlamps because we had headlamps or some people had flashlights. Um, and he said, turn them all off. And as soon as he did that, dark like really dark so much so that i closed my eyes because it was freaking me out because you know when you close your eyes things get light but but at least i didn't have to see the darkness if that makes any sense whatsoever so i'm really nervous about going through this and before we go in gt as i like to call her gail timberlake comes up to me and she says give me your bag And I went, no. She goes, give me your bag. I will carry it. And I went, okay. (laughs) It didn't take me long to say, okay, here you go, Gail. I was like, Gail, but you have your own bag. She goes, I know. She straps it on her front. Now, what Gail was doing was smooshing. She was smooshing for me. She was taking a load from me so that I could experience something and have this moment with God that I needed to have. I needed to go through that tunnel. Because let me tell you, that morning I was watching videos about people going through the tunnel on my phone in the hotel room. Not a good decision. It was freaking me out even more. And I could have, the option was there for me to say, y'all have fun in the tunnel. I'm going to meet you on the other side. But for me, this was a moment with God. It was a moment of trust. It was a moment of community. I needed to go through that tunnel. So she schmooshed. She took my bag. Now, what I didn't know is... That in the tunnel, when I would bend over like this, and when you had to kind of almost turn sideways at some points, I didn't know this was coming. But my mind went to my bag when I got in there. Because had I been bending over with my bag on, I would have hit my bag. And it would have freaked me out. Am I right? When I had to go through the section where I turned a little bit, I would have hit my bag. And it would have freaked me out big time. And Gail had been through the tunnel, and she knew this. And she said, let me take it. Now, I will say that Gail is much shorter than I, 
and my shoes, we put water shoes on and we tied our um, hiking boots on, were wet um, when we got over there. I'm like, really? You got my shoes in the water? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that to her. I didn't mention it to her at all. Uh, it was a short joke that I passed up. It's very rare that I do those things. Uh, so it, it enabled me. Her service enabled me to do something with God that I would not have done otherwise. Let me tell you, I have a list of favorite people. Gail went to the top. I mean, I don't know where she was on the list, somewhere like in the hundreds or something, because, you know, Gail's great and all, but I have a lot of friends and fun people in my life. Gail went past everybody. She even passed by Jenna on that day. Jenna's retaking the lead, don't worry, but because of her service, because she said, you know what, I'll do this. I got to experience God in a way that I was scared of. But it was amazing. This is what Jesus is asking us to do right here. Look, you want to do great things? Yes, I want you to do great things. You want to be somebody significant and wonderful? Yes, I want you to be someone significant and wonderful in this world. But the way that you achieve that is by taking somebody's bag. The way that you achieve that, the way that you become first is to become last. The way that you rise to the top is to go to the bottom and serve. In other words, the way that we do this is we follow him. For 12 years, that number is in debate right now, but I'm sticking with 12 because it's a more biblical and beautiful number. We've had a person on this stage who has carried bags for us. We've had a person who has come early, helped set up. They get here at 7.30. They run all these wires and cables and stuff. If you come in here tomorrow, this will all be gone because they stay afterwards and put things away. For 12 years, we've had this amazing person come on stage and say, give me your bag for a moment. Give me your bag so that you can experience God in a new way. Let me take your bag for just a moment so that you can fully enter into worship. For 12 years, she's come up here and she's led us through prayer. And she's led us through music with her amazing gift. Never once was she paid. For 12 years... She's volunteered her time on Sunday mornings, on Tuesday evenings when they rehearse. And if you think that's the only time that the worship team rehearses, you're silly. They rehearse all the time. She's helped to craft the services. She has helped to find new songs that we get to connect with God. She helps arrange stuff. She has a lot of vocal training, so for years she has taken the vocalists aside and done extra training, helped them to get to be who they are. She's unleashed the potential of countless numbers of worship leaders by caring for them and loving them, by taking their bags. Every Sunday that she is here, she pulls back the curtain 
and lets us see the face of God. And you might think that that's a little overstating things. I don't. For 12 years, August has been our guide, our leader. I've recently been watching Grace's baptism video from 2005, 2006. Grace loves home movies, and we've been watching this one lately. And it's comical to see the worship team back then. They're really funny. But there was August in the middle, leading. She was leading the day that my daughter was baptized. That the identity of of my daughter's daughterhood of God was laid upon her. She was leading the day that my son was baptized. She was here the day that I came home, that we brought Grace home from the hospital. She was leading the service that night, Christmas Eve. She was leading the day that Grace took her first communion. I didn't do this at 9.30. (laughs) She has been a huge schmoosher in my life. And now it's time for her to go schmooze somewhere else. Now it's time for her to take her schmoosherness away. She has, uh, she's going to continue to lead. She's going to, because con- I know her, is going to continue to carry bags for people and to lead them in worship. Today is her final Sunday with us. She'll be back during sweeps weeks, she keeps saying. Um, when Jordan has her baby, things like that, when we, we need her to drop of a hat, we'll call and she fits in well with us, so she'll be here. But, um, but today is her final day with us. And anytime someone leaves the worship team, I don't need a Kleenex, for any uh, football, Brett Favre, yeah. Um, <laughs> anytime someone leaves the worship team. In um, a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Um, there have been people who have left the worship team and like threw their guitar at Daryl and stomped out. It's great. That was a wonderful day. Um, and uh, <clears throat> we, we like to bless them. Um, and usually we just do one little thing, but... When you're August Joffe and you have shaped the worship ministry as she has here in New Heights, not to mention all that she has done for the rest of the church, we wanted to do something a little more significant. I'm not going to talk as much because I don't have as much control as Michael does at holding back uh, emotions. So I would really lose it if I went long. But I do want to tell you the ways in which you guys... um, have been loving August and and celebrating her. One of the things that we talk about um, in the worship ministry and have for years is this Talmudic idea um, that we, when we minister, when we serve, as Michael was just teaching, when we partner with God, we are planting seeds for trees whose shade we will never rest under. Um, And so when we were talking some of this stuff through with August, she said, why don't y'all just plant a tree because of that? And we, we knew one wasn't enough. So we have planted 12 trees in Israel. 
in honor of August, so we give her this. Um, we always try to, when someone doesn't leave in a huff, we always try to give them a Bible. Um, and so this Bible is from the worship team, and it's uh, signed um, with, with love notes from the worship members here. Um, and then you guys already know this, um, but um, we're, we have collected a love offering for the last month for August. And so this is your way of showing uh, your love to August, and I know it will bless her, and so we give this to her as well. And you're very generous, so Daryl and I are retiring next week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin said when we started this, he said, depending on how this works out for August, I might retire. So um, very, very much appreciate the way that you've shown your love to her in that way. And don't worry, you'll get a chance to talk to her about it. I'm going to ask Michael to take her out into the middle here, because as Michael mentioned, this is not the end of August ministry. It's just the beginning of a new chapter. She's going out. She's being sent out just um, as a missionary from our church, taking our identity and our love uh, with her to share it with the people that she's going to minister to. So if you feel compelled to stand up and put a hand on August or throw a hand her way, we'll pray for her. And I'll, uh, I'll read something to start us, and then you guys can just pray as the Holy Spirit leads you. And uh, we'll play some music behind that as well. Don't worry. We'll put her at the door over here, and everybody will get a chance to give her a hug on the way out. Whenever you cross our minds, we thank God for you and the gift of knowing you. Our spirits are lightened with joy whenever we pray for you, and we will constantly because you have partnered with us to spread the gospel since the first day we met you. We are confident that the Creator who has begun such a great work in you will not stop in mid-design, but will keep perfecting you until the day Yeshua the Anointed, our liberating King, returns to redeem the world. It is only right that we should feel such love for you as you hold us close to your heart. As long as we have been partners in this great work of grace, you have never failed to stand with us as we have defended and stood firm for the gospel, even in the midst of darkness. Before God, we want you to know how much we long to see you and how much we love you with the affection of the Anointed One. Here's what we pray for you. Father, may August's love grow more and more in wisdom and insight so she will be able to examine and determine the best from everything else. And on the day of the Anointed One, let August stand as the pure and blameless daughter she is, filled with the fruit of righteousness that ripens through our risen and returning Savior, Yeshua. Amen.